0: We are living in unprecedented times right now, and we wanted to acknowledge it with this special episode.
1: I'm Kelly Young. And I'm Stevie Stays-Kirsch.
0: And we're your hosts of the Bad Assery podcast. We, like everyone else, are talking about the coronavirus, a disease none of us had ever heard of a month ago, and now completely transformed the way we live, work, play the way we get together with friends and loved ones, it's halted our travel and without a doubt will compound the hardship of too many children, parents, adults, and seniors who are struggling every single day. We know this is the number one news topic
1: right now and we wanted to address it too. Today we're talking with Jessica DeSanto, the Director of Communications for United Way of Central Indiana. She's been working tirelessly with the leadership of the organization along with key funders in Indianapolis to announce and manage the communication of a $16.5 million Central Indiana COVID-19 Community Economic Relief Fund to support human services organizations and the individuals and families they serve who are affected directly and indirectly by COVID-19 coronavirus. We wanted to get an update from her about the work that's being done to meet the emerging needs resulting from this crisis in addition to what it's like being a mother during this time and dealing with our well-being while in social isolation. Jessica, we appreciate you taking the time with us um, today.
0: Before we get into the incredible work of what United Way of Central Indiana is doing, let's talk about something that many of our listeners who are moms are dealing with at home really during this health crisis and how it's impacting our kids and, and recognize that it's impacting so many of us in so many different ways. But I know you and I had had a conversation because we're moms of of teenagers, and you in particular have a teenager who's a senior uh, in high school. So let's just talk a little bit about you know how, how we're dealing with that and how we're talking and communicating with our kids.
2: You know, I've been in public relations work for more than 25 years, and I have watched and helped manage organizations through a number of different crises, big and small. All of them are hard, um, but this one is so dramatically different because for the first time that in in my knowledge or, or I could ever imagine is a crisis that affects me professionally and affects me personally. And I can't just leave this office and leave it here um, like I've had to do with so many other previous uh, organizations going through some sort of crisis. So when I get home, I have to really remember the crisis is still at home too. And yes, I have a senior in high school who you know, I was pregnant with her during 9-11 and now here we are. She's about to graduate. She's now living through a significant global issue. Um, she's not handling it very well. Yeah. Um, my younger daughter, Abby, uh, is in eighth grade and she feels like, you know, she's just going to roll with the punches. She's always been sort of my easygoing kid anyway, but I un- understand the difference. Emma, the older one is so involved in school. And, um, is a member, had been a long standing member of our local children's choir. And all those concerts being canceled, all of her school rehearsals being canceled. She's worked so hard at school. Um, show choir competitions. And we just had the last one cancel. And that was the only one I could go to.
0: Oh shoot. So me
2: personally, it's like, Oh, what are we going to do? We're just going to assume that you won kiddo. And yes. um, you worked really hard for it. And you should be very proud of it. Luckily, there's plenty of video tape recordings of your previous show choir competitions, So you can at least have the memory alive. Um, luckily, this generation can all be still connected online. We couldn't do that when if this happened to us so many years ago. Um, I know the phone was a thing, but you know, you couldn't necessarily have, I saw that Netflix has had, they have a group chat sort of moment. You can all watch the same I film see. at the same time uh, and chat that. About, is it. That right yeah. and about it right now. about it and kind
1: of discuss it. Yeah.
2: You know, that's a great idea to keep these kids connected. Again, my younger daughter is yeah. Okay. We're missing school. I'll do some e-learning. Hey, can I go to Soso's house? No, because actually we got to keep you home. That's the whole point of social distancing. So it's, it's hard. Um I did, try to, at least with the older daughter, tell her a couple of additional stories in addition to, you know, living through 9-11, which really changed everybody's world. Um, my mother uh, lived through the polio scare in the oh, 1950s. Wow. Yeah. And she told me and to tell Emma, look, kid, um, we had an entire summer where we were not allowed to go outside at all because children were dying of polio and um, people were drastically fearful of that very deadly disease. Um, and so she admitted if she wasn't a senior in high school, but it certainly did change her world and she remembered it so vividly. And I said, Emma, one of these days you're going to be able to tell a good story about what it was like to live through something that affected each and every person on this planet and you survived it. And here's how you did it. Hopefully you're home and I've encouraged her to do this. Write it down, write down your feelings, write down your expressions, write down your thoughts so you can go back to it one day and see, wow, I I did it. I'm Okay.
0: Yeah, my kids rolled their eyes when I asked about journaling and and writing about it. And I got the, oh, mom, seriously, this, this series. But I'm like, we just really have no idea what this looks like and what it will look like. Um, and even, you know, again, for seniors and, and not even just in high school, but college. I mean, these kids, I my, my nieces, uh, my niece goes to Indiana State University and I just talked to her. She's being moved home uh on Saturday and so many of the college students are being forced to come home early and, you know, those that are like, you know, you're talking about uh choir competitions, we're on the sports end of it and, you know, seasons being canceled and games not being played. And I mean, it's just heartbreaking for these kids that have worked so hard. And, you know, while they haven't said it here, um, you know, I'm thinking I'm 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 questioning prom and and even graduation too. and and things that, you know, we maybe didn't think about, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't have thought about it It was prom, I would have never thought of it being canceled, or like not being able to walk across graduation. And, and I had a conversation with um, a mom about her college senior. And the the conversation was, well, then they'll have graduation in December. And I'm thinking, my kid wouldn't come back. And, you know, I don't think that they would come back. So I think that's the, you know, while they haven't said it yet, I think
2: we're all preparing for, you know, shut down until I don't know I know I I, at the end of the day my hope is I don't ever minimize their feelings because I could and I usually use senses of humor a lot at home with my children I love to sass them and I get sassed back (laughs) but um you know, this isn't the time to say, you know, I went to prom it really wasn't that big of a deal because my daughter yeah. would immediately say, well, at least you got to go. Oh, yeah. And at least it's your decision, your opinion now of whether you liked it or not is so true. I mean, I didn't care about graduation either. It was a hot gym. It, I don't want to hear pomp and circumstance 18,000 times. Right, right. But there's no humor in that to a child. I want to at least try it so then I can decide whether or not I love it or yeah. not. And so I've just, that's how I'm going to live. It's You're allowed to have every feeling you want to about this because honestly, are all having the same feelings. It's really devastating to be shut in yeah. um, and scared. Yeah. And um, not even more so, I mean, I'm so blessed I'm still able to work for a wonderful organization like United Way that is trying so hard to help others and others are out there losing jobs already. And there is no um, economic um, situation in their community that can employ them. I mean, it's this is this is really scary. Um, so it's it's something we have to be mindful of.
0: Yeah. And before we get into the United Way work, I want to talk about social media because I, I mean, I find myself overly consumed with articles and I can spend, you know, way too much time on Twitter and Facebook and reading this and reading that. And, you know, I think our kids are on there as well, too. But you know, like I said, even as adults, I think that there's anxiety that's, that's built on there. And, you know, I'm I'm tempted to stay on, but then I'm find myself again, you know, overly consumed. And, you know, how do we manage all the messaging that's out there? And I mean, anyone, you know, Jessica, what are your thoughts? And, and Stevie, you as well, too, um, as executive director of City Market, what, you know, what are you hearing and seeing too?
2: Right now, and I am a news junkie, always have been. So it's a love it or hate it uh, mentality for me. But on Twitter in particular, that's where my primary source of news, um, where I'm relying on it, um, because I like to follow the tried and trues. And I, I find on Twitter, most really high level news organizations are giving us the information that we need when we need it. I love, though, these moments and, and the the evening news programs are doing a better job of focusing in on this kind of content that's happening online right now. And we're all living through a pandemic with video cameras that's unheard of. So the moment when Italy is singing all together and last night there were two cellists appearing on the steps of a senior citizen's home just to give her the gift of music because she can't come out. Um, these moments of humanity, I find that when I go home and I'm really stressed by what we have, what we had to deal with today and I go home and my family is laughing at a couple of videos that they've seen online about moments of humanity. That's, that's going to keep me going. Um And so what I'd love to see is more of that. I mean, all the really good, smart, even comics, it's like, make us laugh, do it in the tasteful way, but make us laugh. We're all in this together. And honestly, the social media is keeping us connected. um, Hopefully rightly informed but it's keeping us connected with the human nature of what it's like to survive this and survive it with a sense of humor or a laugh or a even a tear.
1: I agree. And it certainly has kind of forced businesses, especially small businesses and arts organizations, to get really creative with their approach Um For what could be deemed as something so transactional as to come into a place like a city market, pick up your lunch and go. We're really taking a very humanizing uh, approach to who are the faces of city market? Who are the ones that are still open for you to be able to come in, grab your lunch and go? These are businesses that rely on the people to support them. Um, So telling their stories, who are they, rather than just being transactional about it? I know I'm on the board for Arts for Lawrence. Organization. How do we we had a we had an online board meeting last night, of course, um, talking about how do we keep people engaged? You know, Harrison Center for the Arts does a great job with their porch parties. What if we did porch performances? Mm-hmm. You know, just getting creative with that process. I know I, I, uh, St. Patrick's Day is one of my <laughs> favorite
0: fun days. Yes, and, uh, I sat at home, but I was, uh, I did a Zoom call with some of my besties and we had <laughs> our own little drink. I mean, you do have to find the humor in it. Um, but, but keep the connection as well. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, but I, I know we want to get into a little bit of the work, um, that you're doing here.
1: So we've kind of referenced COVID-19 and, and its impact on our communities. It's not all dire though. Um some of the news is actually that's coming out is is good news, like the news that was announced recently from United Way of Central Indiana, a sixteen point five million dollar Central Indiana COVID-19 Community Economic Relief Fund. Can you tell us a little more about that, Jessica?
2: I'm gonna do so by setting you up with something that maybe uh not a whole lot of people know, and that is from a United Way history standpoint, we're kind of at a full circle um with this pandemic in that United Way was founded in Denver, Colorado, based in the notion that there was disease spreading, and it was called tuberculosis. And tuberculosis was killing millions and millions of people. Um, and if you got the diagnosis that you were sick with tuberculosis, you were encouraged to flock to a better climate, um, uh, with, with better air, better cleaner, um, atmosphere. And so people would go, if they were sick with tuberculosis, to Denver. And Denver all of a sudden found itself wrought with sick people everywhere. Um, and the r- human service organizations couldn't handle it. All of the relief agencies and the churches and the food banks, they couldn't handle it. So we had a, several of the leaders of the Denver community at that time decide to rally, come together, present one fundraising campaign for the entire city to help all of the relief agencies at once. That's what United Way is built on. That is a united federation, um, and which our history has started right then and there. So it's really... I don't even know the right word. Irony is it coming full circle that United Way is back into this position dealing with something that uh, as a pandemic does affects everybody in the community in some way, shape and form and is positioned to rally the community around it, which is what has happened um, here just in the last couple of days. We are so blessed um, to have so many significant partners in our community able to help at such a high um, amount of generosity. So from Lilly Endowment to the Lilly Company Foundation, to so many other foundations, they have stepped up and are using us as the conduit to make sure that as much funding um, as possible, 16.5 million, and it's growing because now we have a number of individuals donating to it. We ex- expect that to grow even more, especially as this pandemic is, is expected to be um, affecting all of us for months, if not more. So we're going to, as of right now, decide where can we start putting that funding in our in our community for central Indiana. Um, we are not the only ones doing it. From what I understand, United Way is all across the country. They're cropping up left and right with how do they do the same thing. We certainly aren't the first to it. But again, that's what a United Way spirit is all about. We know how to rally volunteers, donors, partners, the corporate community, um, advocates. Um, we are trying to make sure that we are getting on our phones to rally our own senators to make sure that they pass a stimulus package um, to help um, the entire country um, survive this. So this is what we do. This is what United Way is positioned for all across the country. United Way Worldwide, um, our umbrella organization is also creating its own fund to help on that bigger, grander scale. Um, and, you know, again, this is a very unique situation to be in. I don't pretend to think that not every single person we'd be able to help, but isn't it pretty significant and profound that the community wants to do it? Um, and we just got to make sure it gets quickly into the hands of all of the agencies working on the ground—the child care service agencies, um, the food pantries, those who can help with. We don't. Right now, we're worried about people getting evicted. You know, they're not working, they're not paying their rent, they're going to get evicted. So, stop gapping some of that right now with this kind of funding is going to be critical.
1: So, Jessica, given where we are today. With this, in your professional opinion, where do you see the organization going in the future? It's hard to answer, I know. But what do you see for United Way of Central Indiana tomorrow, next month, next year?
2: That's a great question. Um, I do suspect this is the language um, that we are going to be concentrating on for at least until the summer. I mean, it's, this is a health crisis too. This is also not my area of expertise to know how long a pandemic would would potentially last. But I think at this point, we're all doing the right things. Our city, our communities have heeded the call. Um, so many schools are closed. Our governor of course, has um, made this an emergency level situation. We're doing, I think at this moment, all the right things, if that's enough to stop the spread. And then maybe by summer, we can see where we are. Um, We'll have to address it at that point, but I'd say between now and, and summer this is the this is the only thing we're going to be talking about this is the only thing we're going to be um, rallying our community around and we're going to need to be in this for the long haul and that's the other thing United Way does best. Um, other organizations like the Red Cross are perfect, um, perfectly positioned for crisis. They go in, they, they help after a tornado. They, they get everybody's immediate needs like toilet paper and water and all these things. Um, United Way tries to take that position of that long haul. After the, after the crisis, what's the economic long-term effect that that family might be experiencing? We're now in both. So we're in a crisis situation where we have to get food to people right now, but then we've got to stay in it for a long haul and continue to build support for people If they fall into poverty and they weren't in poverty before, it's going to take some significant support to get them back on their feet. Poverty is a very complicated issue. Um, People fall in and out of it quite frequently. Um, And our whole idea is to stabilize the community so that people can um, work on their own, be on their own, live on their own and without without help.
0: It was interesting. I actually was in a meeting here, at United Way, recently and um, talking about the food. And, you know, we're all trying to, as a community and worldwide, everybody wants to jump in and what can we do? And it almost reminds me, unfortunately, of 9-11 when we wanted to, to immediately step in and make donations and, and provide food and that sort of thing. And my family actually, we had a conversation with a few friends and we thought, well, let's make sandwiches. Let's get together only 10 of us uh, on Friday <laughs> and make sandwiches and deliver them, not, in, not as ourselves, but to an organization that could have it. And then at this meeting at United Way, it was, you know, we're doing all of that right. That is happening right now, but it might, we might need that in a month in two months. And so that, that actually made me think, okay, while I want to jump in right now, it's almost like, let's, let's look at this in a couple of months. And maybe that's when I can have 15 people over and we can make sandwiches or do something. So it is that long-term, you know, we're all right now shit in our pants basically, because we don't know what to do and we want to
2: do something. I think you have a great point, Kelly. And what I would recommend, and I have to do it for myself because Humans are so good at the fact that when you, when you hear a call and you know there's a need, you do want to jump right now. I just want to do it right now. Um, and yet agencies will typically say, well, hang on a second, because in fact, what you think I might need is actually something wildly different than what I actually need. And I'll, I'll use a a reference point. Um, we have a great organization, Second Helpings here, um, in Indianapolis that takes food that is unused and repackages or recooks it or, or presents it in a, in a different way to organizations that, that are trying to feed people. Their need right now is not food. Their need is the humans to cook it. Mm. But, but volunteers are driving their organization and volunteers were not supposed to be um, grouping up. So social distancing has put a whole new spin on this issue with wanting to help you know, they just showing up at the door is actually not the best thing. So we've been trying to figure out what's the best way to capture the volunteer opportunities that are available based on the situation that we're in right this second, because it may not be what you think it is. Um, and quite frankly, right now is it is about money. It's making sure that there are dollars ready for each of these organizations that are serving people that are already operationally suffering too. They might have staff members that can't show up to work. Um, so it's, it has affected the entire system and all the generosity right now at this moment is going to be the most critical. Volunteer opportunities, absolutely, too. But they, you just have to be careful that the kind of ways that you want to help are the actual ways that will do something.
0: Yeah, I, I had heard, um, and I don't know if this is correct, but basically for all of us to be thinking, even if you think about the tourism um, hospitality industry, we may not recover from this until 2025. Yeah. And that, that just shocked me. Um, but then when you think about it, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, this is a long-term, yeah. long-term issue. So
2: when I, uh, I used to work at the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra before my work at United Way, and when I saw yesterday, I'm still on the email distribution, of course, because I love the symphony and its programs, um, but they were canceled through May. And I happen to know from an insider's perspective what earned revenue means to that organization. And to have canceled concerts with musicians sitting around with nobody to play for is truly devastating. And um, I don't know how they're – they are probably huddled right now going, what are we going to do? Because this is unprecedented.
1: So, Jessica, what can – as somebody listening to the podcast or just people in the, in the general public, what, what can we do to help Without being too selfish, of course.
2: Um, I think on behalf of my own organization right now. Um, I know that I can confidently say if you are interested in quickly supporting the human services network, a United Way, um United Way is positioned to do that broadly. If that's interests you, then giving to this COVID fund that we have set up um is something that we can guarantee you hundred percent of your dollars are going to the need in the community as we see it through the long haul. Um, but then go online. We have a get connected site, um, for volunteers to see exactly right now in live time where are the needs of volunteers and where can you plug in. Um, and then go check in on people. You know, go just double check that um, our senior citizens are checked on. Um, I'm on Nextdoor a lot, the neighborhood app, and I'm just kind of seeing this great moment of humanity too, where we've got neighbors who are offering to go to the store, if there's anything there, um, sure. to, for, for our other senior neighbors, you know, for people who really are confined to their home, that can be really difficult. And so as just a person, check in on people. Um, Use apps like Nextdoor to do that and see where you can make a difference and and tell other people, you know, spread the word. And that's, again, what's what's so great about social media. You can inspire other people to do something that's maybe small, but can turn something big.
1: And Jessica, what are the social media handles and your website? If people do want to go right now and check out what's being done.
2: We are uwci.org. And on social media, we're at uwci. Not easy to say, but yes, uwci.
0: And for any listeners that are outside of the central Indiana market or in other states, uh, y- you can look and, you know,
2: get on the, the, the internet and find your resources as well, too, or United Way agencies. You've got a United Way somewhere close to you. Um, you've got a Red Cross close to you. You've got, um, you know, any one of the homeless shelters or organizations. I know they're going to need a lot of support right now. Um, go online and start checking them out. Everybody will will be really appreciative of everybody's support.
0: Well, I have a feeling that we'll be talking about this, um, unfortunately for a while, but I'm appreciative that we were able to grab you now and, and talk about it. Um, but I want to turn the topic a little bit. Um, I like, I'm sure that you're incredibly proud of the work that you're doing here and, and we're so thankful for you. Um, but I want to change the topic just a little bit because I learned recently of two things that I think well, we think, cause Stevie and I were talking about it, it was pretty badass that you just competed in a CrossFit competition. It was a four hour inner gym competition, which probably seems like, I mean, it was just a week ago. It was just a week ago. <laughs> it was ago. just it seems a week like a long ago. Time ago. And then also skydiving. Let's talk about the CrossFit competition first, cause that's, that's pretty amazing.
2: I'll preface this with, um, I have been a pretty moderate, uh, exerciser my whole life. Um back in the day, I used to love the ladies only gyms that had um step classes. Oh yeah. Um I kinda got a little later later of a start to that. I, mean, I was in my mid twenties and I always thought those were fun. The choreography was fun. I've since progressed since having children. Um the YMCA is a fantastic organization I've been a member of for quite some time. And when my husband and I married in twenty sixteen um, we were trying to go to the Y together because we're good accountability partners, but um, he started to realize how quickly and easily it was for the two of us to convince each other that ah, do we really want to drive to the Y today, <laughs> and let's just make a big dinner instead. So after a while, you start to fall into some old habits, and next thing you know, you want to do something to change it. I have, I've got a, some di- new diagnosed um, arthritis in my back. I had a torn meniscus in my knee, and I didn't want to do all the traditional sort of surgery slash lots of meds. So So long story short, um, my husband finds CrossFit online and he does some research and he decides this is going to be the right kind of experience for him. And so he joins and um, spent all summer doing it, showed me all the videos of people climbing ropes and throwing balls up in the air and um, lifting really heavy weights and sweating and falling on the ground. And every time he'd show me, I'd go, you're nuts. This is completely (laughs) nuts, Um, given to the injury I'm still dealing with. So... But it was that moment of, I'm so tired of him talking about it. By three months, it's like, shut up. Okay. If I can't beat you, I'll join you. I'll just try it. So I went for a, for two foundations classes. And, you know, CrossFit is a very unique community. It's, um, it's built on very much accountability. It's every box. That's what they call each CrossFit gym across the country. Each box is, is owned, um, by, by different people. Um, but there's a method to the madness and it always starts with, um, I, which I love. These question of the days, you introduce yourself and then you answer a question of the day. Some of them have been really funny and inspiring. We, you learn something about your fellow CrossFitters. And then we do a strength portion. And then we go into a WOD, which is a, a workout of the day. And all of them are about 10 to maybe 20 minutes in length. And what you learn about yourself pretty quickly is that, um, for instance, the perception is you have to be some sort of really strong person to join CrossFit. Absolutely not. Everybody in my CrossFit gym is pretty much my age. So I'm late 40s. A um, lot of married couples trying to do something together and stay accountable to each other. Um, and a lot of people who have injuries, a lot of people who just need a daily routine um, and an environment of caring and concern. And not this isn't boot camp, and I didn't want that. So um, I have found that friendships are now... Um, prevalent in our box. Um, I love that I can be with inspired by women who are my age who were really lifting some heavy stuff. And, you know, my deadlift went from, you know, wincing in pain at 85 pounds to now I'm almost 200. Dang! So <laughs> I'll call myself a badass just because yeah, I'm almost are. to 200 yeah, pounds. For sure. But I've got there's a 300 pound club at the at the at our gym and two women are there and I don't know how they do it I don't ever see myself past 200 but it's just a neat community and so the inner gym crossfit competition is called the bad mofo and I
0: love it
2: and our 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 coach Pam makes the t-shirts and she just makes this this big celebration they decorate you you get a prize of course if you win your category and they have various categories I competed in the masters uh, women's category because I'm over 45 and I had to challenge myself. Last year, I did the competition in a scaled category, which was the easiest or the lightest of the weights. And this year, I wanted to challenge myself. So I went into my own category of age, but I in that category also was an increase in weight. So um, it's this particular uh, competition was three short, but very highly intense workouts. Um, I about died. And um, but I f- I came out of it. I just I never feel better than when I'm done with a workout. And and I do we do them as a family. Now, my husband and my 18 year old daughter, we I, she joined as well. We do the six a.m. workouts and we just absolutely love it. And on our app, we put all of our weight so we can track our progress and people can see you and they fist bump you on your app. And it's just become this thing that it's like a cult, but it's a good it's a good one.
1: So let me ask you this, Jessica, for listeners who may have felt or feel intimidated by the level of workout because they know something about CrossFit and they think to themselves, I've never been able to climb a rope though. Like I've never been able to do certain things. I still can't. I'm asking for a <laughs> friend, by the way. <laughs> um, how do you respond to that?
2: Yeah. Every every CrossFit. And I've done some in other states. So once you join a CrossFit gym, you can go to any CrossFit gym across the country and it's called being a drop-in. I can just drop into any box and they'll they're so friendly. They're so wonderful. So in essence, there's always a scaled workout compared to the RX workout. The RX workout is the highest, pres- it's called the prescribed workout. So if you're at your highest level of, of athleticism, go for it. If, if you want to stay in the scale category as long as you want, I'm in that category. I'm proud of it. It's fine. You modify how your intensity looks and you are always applauded for it. You're never encouraged to lift something you can't. You're never encouraged to climb a rope when you can't. I've learned how to at least get up two. I can now get two up, but then it's slippery to me. I don't understand how the hook part (laughs) of my feet is supposed to go. I'm still trying, but I can't figure it out. You know, sometimes you just get inspired to try. And I never really thought climbing a rope was something I wanted to do. And now it's like, I kind of want to at least get up there once, but I don't care if I do or don't. I'm just going to have fun doing it. And the community is supportive and I have never felt stronger. And the end game for me is arthritis. I no longer take medication for. And my Torn meniscus in my knee is healed. I didn't have to have surgery.
0: And I saw a photo on Facebook because I told you I'm a Facebook, you know, junkie. But yeah, (laughs) and I was like, dang, because you always looked great anyway. But you lost like, not to throw it out there, but you lost ten pounds and some inches, and you look amazing. So congratulations
2: um, to you. And CrossFit's good about nutrition, and in fact, they they even overemphasize. It's not really about going to the gym and working out every day that causes the perfect nutritional balance is about your eating. So they teach you all about that too, if you want to be a part of it. Um, We use the MyFitness app to log food and it has changed my game. I mean, it really has changed my game. And the best part of it is just become now natural. It doesn't become like this thing I got to do every day. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to CrossFit this morning. Then I got my work and then I got this and I got to log my food, keeping track of my macros. I've never felt better. I'm 40, almost 48. There is no time left to wait, right? You've got to just get 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 your groove on however you like it. Well, and it's interesting. I've seen a lot of um, gyms
0: because the gyms are closed right yeah. now through all of this, but a lot of fitness people who are posting free workouts or, you know, download for the next you know, 30 days free apps. So even myself, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to look a little different. You know, our workouts are going to look a little different as well too. But so again, for our listeners, you know, if you can't get into CrossFit right now because gyms are closed, just find some way to, mm-hmm. to move and, and be active, which, uh, is actually one other quick question I wanted to ask about skydiving. Yeah. So this was back in the day, back in the day, back in the day, but you logged more than a hundred skydives mm-hmm. when it was something that you said you would never do.
2: Something that I, so Kelly is referencing a blog or a LinkedIn post that I published, um, very much in the theme of myself doing things that I've, I just would never think to do. Um, and just deciding, Oh, I'm never going to do that. Turning that page and, and why not giving it a try? Back in, uh, early twenties, um, I was with a really good network of friends who, were all I was living in Virginia at the time I moved back to Indiana, my friends were still here, and they were all um, skydiving. And I came up to watch them one day at a at a drop zone in Muncie. And it looked hilarious and fun and exciting, all those terms. But I'm just looking up and you guys are crazy. I mean, I'm here to support you. Woo-hoo. Way to fall on your face as you <laughs> land. But this is not for me. And then it's just like that moment where you know, they keep talking it up, they keep talking it up and you just, the only way to shut somebody up is just, all right, if I can't beat you, I'll join you. I'll give it a try. So it was an all day class. Um, we did, um, we didn't do tandems at the time we did, um, where we jumped out and we were hooked to the plane. So the plane would, um, detach your parachute for you. It's called static line training. And so it was all day. It was exhausting. Um, I did find that I was a really good student, and I had my instructor at the very end say, you know, I love women in the seats of our classrooms for skydiving because women pay attention, they follow direction, they don't pretend like they know it all, and they don't have any ego whatsoever, where he would typically see, you know, his male, um, students, oh, don't worry, I got this figured out. Next thing you know, there's some sort of crisis. So I was pleased to hear that, but then I, I did my first skydive. I landed. I remember the camera guy coming up to me and going, "Show me your hands," and I pulled out my hands, and i 'm just shaking everywhere because oh that God, was, God, I was I had yeah. no idea I was shaking and he that's part of the the whole fun of that first jump, so you know, I felt the spirit of you know i I kind of was good at this i 'll keep going so i finished the I finished the entire um course the static line course where by the time you get to maybe jump six you're actually not on a static line you're you're free falling on your own you have to know how to pull your own parachute everything in in that sport is a process so you learn each process each time and as you're it's not just hurling yourself out and plummeting to the planet you're really your, your brain goes do this now do this now Do this, do this now. There's a technique you're probably having to try because they want they want to have you do a turn. They want to have you do a flip. They want to have you do all these sort of things as you're working towards to be a a skydiver. Because if you've seen videos of skydivers when they're hooking together and they're flying all around each other and they're touching each other, those are all techniques you learn in order to do it.
0: Guess you don't think about that. You don't. It's a process. Yeah.
2: And uh, you know, it's funny. Even today, I don't like flying. I don't like being in airplanes. But the minute the, the door would open, it's like, get me out of this plane. I, I know how to save myself. <laughs> like you're talking, I'm sorry.
1: I'm, <laughs> I have questions. So so you, so you, the whole time you were talking, I'm so inspired. I'm reaching deep within myself to think, could you – the answer is still no. No, I could not do that. You would could. You, you think you could, yeah. Would you actually feel safer getting out of the plane. I do. Okay. I, I,
2: I will – I can confidently say, and no – I don't mean to demean my friends and no longer the drop zone is up there, but the planes they were flying. I mean, when I see duct tape on the side and it's like, Oh, yeah. but the instructors were fabulous. The pilots were, were spot on. Everything about that sport was, um, it was really incredible. It was an incredible time of my life. Um, I owned my own gear after I graduated and the, after 18 jumps, I graduated the course. I became an A license skydiver, um, which meant I could jump anywhere in the world with some few exceptions. There are some dangerous drop zones, like in Hawaii, where you, they only take a C license or higher because if you made any sort of faulty move, you're going to be in the ocean, then nobody wants to rescue you. So um, it was. I jumped in Titusville, Florida, the Space Center. Um, during the time I think it was '98 when Florida was on fire, and I remember we were the only ones at that drop zone at the time. And I'm in this huge plane. There's nobody else in it, and I can see the landscape beneath me, and I can see the space center where the drop zone is, and everywhere around it was burning. And so, if I miss, if, if I didn't hit the drop zone, I was going to land in either burning areas or the ocean. And that was that yeah, first see, moment. That, that's and a big hill. I <laughs> still did it because I went out of that airplane.
0: Oh my god.
2: Okay. But All I had right. enough training at the time. You got to remember I felt confident in if I'm in trouble, I know what to do. And that's important about any sport.
0: Well, that's amazing. And and you're right. I I was um referencing and had been looking at one of your blog posts and that that you shared and I love that you said if it's not your thing, maybe it could be your thing. If you like it, develop it. If you develop it, master it. If you master it, move on to something new, and I just I thought that was really
2: awesome. So, um,
0: yeah, yeah, thanks. Because I've had uh, to move on.
2: That. I've had to move on from from skydiving, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it is a, a hefty sport. It's a lot of money, and um, I'm now 48, so you know I got to stay with my feet on the ground a little longer. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so, Jessica, um, as we close the podcast out, we typically ask you know our guests what, how, and where they find joy, and I know that. These are very strange times, and especially in the crisis that we're in, how and where are you being able to find some joy?
2: That's a great question. Um, And even before this crisis, I would probably answer it the same. Um, I find so much joy in getting home and putting my pajamas on. (laughs) I'm not joking. Just the comfy, jammy pants and big, fluffy socks when it's cold outside. Um, I love fireplaces. I love all the things now that it can be as simple as possible. The older I get, the more I realize how much more simple I need things. Um, even in the podcast industry, I have all my friends, oh, do you hear this podcast? You listen to this? And it's like, probably no, I should do more of that. But I find that nowadays, the simpler, the better. And um, the world is so noisy. I'm after so much more quiet when I can find it. And even if it's pockets of quiet, I usually don't fill it up with other things. Um, My husband's family has um, a small cottage in Mackinac Island and they go up there quite frequently. And whenever we can, we go up there because there's very few people, especially in the winter. And it's as quiet as the day is long. We don't ever turn on the TV. Um, All I do is look out over Lake Huron and see the bridge and see the water. And I remember, we need to breathe. We need to think simply. We need to look at landscape like that a little more often to calm ourselves. Um, but the simpler, the better. And I love being around my daughters. I love making them laugh. I love when they make me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's my joy. That's my happiness. I love to cook, too, by the way. I really love to cook. I'd be happiest in the kitchen at all times, even though not everything's tasty. <laughs> I try.
0: Yeah, well, that uh, that sounds lovely. And I feel like right now, we're all at that pace. Mm-hmm. We're all very much needing to slow down and, yeah. and spend time and, and to shut down some of that noise that's out there as well, too. So thanks for that reminder. And thanks for taking the time to join us. I know there's a lot going on. I know there's a lot going on at United Way of Central Indiana. And and we're so appreciative of all that the organization is doing for the community. And we appreciate all the work that you're doing as well, too. And, um, you 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 know, we just want to thank everybody that's listening to this podcast. We did want to make a quick, um, you know, jump to be able to talk about it. We know everybody's talking about it right now. And we wanted to do that as well, too. Um, And this was just that conversation where we could not only talk about what's happening in the world, but what's happening in our worlds. And uh, we just encourage everybody to stay healthy, stay safe and stay grateful.
2: And um, And stay kind. That's my last one, too. Stay kind.
0: Yeah,
1: I like that. Thank you very much. Thank you.